Sea Lion Day. As the February morning dawns, I stand behind the patio door of the condo watching the Comox Ferry slip past Rebecca Rock, Becca, and angle towards the ferry dock at Westview. The Queen of Burnaby plows nearly directly towards me, suspended on flat, dark gray water against a backdrop of sun breaking through clouds behind. I slide back the patio door to test the temperature and a barking chorus of California sea lions cuts through the cold morning air. It is now mid-season for the winter visit of these noisy animals. Those I hear this morning are at the paper mills pond three kilometers from here. These sea mammals are clearly of a California breed, distinguished by their barking. Stellar sea lions, the other prominent species in this area, roar rather than bark. I wouldn't be able to hear their growl from this far away. As an example of migratory resolve, only male California sea lions winter on the British Columbia coast. The females remain in rookeries a thousand miles to the south. In May, the males will leave coastal BC and migrate to California to find the females. In October, the bulls make the long return trek north, leaving the females to tend the rookeries. I call today Sea Lion Day, a self-proclaimed date to visit the local sea lions at two of their favorite haul-out sites. The goal today is to observe both California sea lions at the Mill Pond and Stellars on Middle Natch Island. The seas are fairly smooth as Margie and I motor out of the marina. It's best to expect anything this time of year, but the marine forecast indicates acceptable conditions, at least through the afternoon. The swells are still from the southeast after yesterday's storm. Gentle rolling now with the wind expected to shift to the northwest as the day progresses. The previous day's fury of wind and rain has roared past us and into Washington. Margie and I ride on the command bridge, bundled up in our heavy jackets. I wear a full-face ski mask, and Margie uses earmuffs to fend off the near-freezing temperature. Almost nothing, not even the cold, can keep us from the command bridge. It is much easier to see the waves and dangerous floatsome from up here, and maneuvering this boat from on top is a joy. From our high vantage point, we approach the mill pond, outlined by the hulks, of old concrete ships, decommissioned and now aligned to form a breakwater. About 15 California sea lions are perched on breakwater rocks, concentrated near the entrance to the mill pond. They raise a rough barking chorus as we approach, their voices echoing off the nearby hulks and the cliffs at the shore. The sea lions hold steadfast on their haul-out spot a line of rocks that extends towards the beach, forming the edge of the mill pond. Closer to the breakwater, I slow to idle and shift into neutral, reducing our noise footprint enough that only one sea lion decides to escape into water. He slides in, maybe for reasons unrelated to the approach of our boat, and bobs a few feet from the breakwater. I stopped a beeliner near the tip of the rock wall by briefly shifting in reverse, then back into neutral, letting the boat drift on the gentle waves.
Our cameras are clicking and the sea lions are staring and barking. Their blobby brown bodies seem to be posing for our camera. As we drift closer, I back slowly away from the rocks. Then it's back into neutral, gliding gently on the waves. A touch of power will position us perfectly for photos, so I slip the gear shift forward. A resounding crack erupts from the fiberglass dinghy stowed on the stern, and the en engine immediately dies. I try to restart the engine, perplexed by the cracking noise, but the shift lever is jammed and forward. The engine will not start in this position, and this usually indicates something is caught in the prop. Margie is already down on the aft deck taking pictures. I follow, climbing down the ladder from the command bridge, two steps at a time. What was that noise, I yell? Don't know. Maybe we caught a rope in the prop. How can that be, I lament. We don't have any ropes in the water. We do now, replies Margie. There's a blue rope stretching right down to the prop. It looks like it comes from Mr. Bathtub. Now I see the blue rope. One of the ropes from the dinghy is now taut, leading directly towards the prop. That explains the loud crack. A rope from Mr. Bathtub wrapped itself around the prop and tried to pull the fiberglass dinghy down and away from the aft railing, where she is tied. Either the railing or the fiberglass is cracked. Hopefully, not seriously. Meanwhile, we are drifting directly towards the rock pile. We'll come very close to the colony of sea lions. Maybe hit the rocks, or almost as bad, drift into the mill pond. This is private property. I picture armed guards watching us closely from the mill as we drift into their sacred territory. Maybe they have gunboats ready to launch. I have an active imagination. I'll need to reach into the water up to my armpit to get to the prop and that's unlikely to resolve the situation anyway. I've had ropes around the prop before. It isn't a pretty picture once they get past the prop seal. And with the dinghy in the way, there's no way to even get to the prop. Let's lower Mr. Bathtub. I order. Margie is already untying the dinghy. As soon as the knot comes loose, I push outward on the fiberglass shell and Mr. Bathtub plops unceremoniously into the water. The splash causes most of the sea lions, now looming ever larger as we draw closer, to slip into the water without a lot of finesse. These huge animals splash around right next to us and I don't like the thought of these big creatures being so close. I doubt they are naturally mean, but we're messing with their haul-out area in a big way. The largest sea lion of all remains steadfast on the rocks. He looks like he isn't going to desert his territory without a fight. We're just off the point now, only five meters from the rocks, and I must reach down into the cold water, into the crack between the swim grid and Mr. Bathtub. There's no time to do any more in preparation than push my jacket sleeve up a few inches. Meanwhile, my mind races with thoughts of what to do if I can't pull the rope loose and restart the engine. There's always the dinghy's tiny outboard, a three horsepower Yamaha, that's perfectly suited for Mr. Bathtub. 
It's also supposed to serve as an emergency kicker in case the Baylanger's main engine dies. It could never handle rough seas. I've only mounted it once on the stern for a test drive, but it might get us back into the nearby marina in these nearly calm conditions. Then of course there's John. My satellite phone stands ready to call for help. John would get here fast. In fact, even a cell phone should work from here. There's something comforting about the idea of John handling an emergency like this. So I concentrate on that thought as the rocks loom even closer. I reach into the water behind the swim grid as deep as I can. The water is cold, but my jacket and glove help protect me. I come within inches of the rope, but can't quite grab it. I need something to reach with. I'm trying to stay calm, but I know I am snapping orders. Maybe one of those stakes on the command bridge will be long enough. I hear Margie fumbling around, but it sounds like she is in the cabin rather than on the command bridge. I continue to reach downward as far as I can. In the water, my arm is magnified and my hand seems just inches short of the jammed rope. How's this? asks Margie as she hands me a broom. I grab it and shove the handle into the water. It touches the rope, and I twist the broom handle to allow the rope to wrap around it. Got it! I ease the rope towards the surface with the handle, careful not to let the line fall free. When I'm able to grab the blue rope in my hand, I pull as hard as I can. Nothing happens. I give it another frantic tug, trying to get the prop to rotate. This time I feel the rope move the blades a fraction of an inch. Another firm tug, the prop rotates, and the rope comes free. Got it, I yell. Let's get out of here. By now, with success nearly in sight, I spy the biggest of the sea lions looming in front of me. I can almost reach out and touch him as he stands proudly, ready to defend his rocky perch. There's really nothing this huge California sea lion can do in defense of the Bayliner's approaching momentum, but he isn't about to give in to the crisis. He rears his handsomely rounded head into stiff profile. It's a warlike pose for an animal that probably weighs over 500 pounds. This is a classic photo op that may never come again. I immediately clamber up the steps to the clamp command bridge in search of my camera. Hey, where are you going, yells Margie. Help me with Mr. Bathtub. We're going to hit the rocks. Every clip sentence is evidence I'm abandoning my post, but I must get this picture. We're almost on the rocks. As I grab my camera and click the shutter, the sea lion simultaneously tosses his wet head in defiance, and water sprays onto me in a shower of drops that announces a proud moment in this animal's life. The sea lion stands his ground, an awesome sight. He is a warrior who owns this pond. Get back down here and help me, demands Margie. If we're going to hit the rocks, it is now too late to do anything about it. But we luck out and are pushed harmlessly past the breakwater entrance by the waves, clearing the end of the rocks by only a meter. We drift untouched into the mill pond. The crisis now behind us, I assist Margie with raising Mr. Bathtub and then climb back up onto the command bridge. I shift into neutral and the engine starts on the first try. 
As we exit the pond, I glance back over my shoulder at the smoke-spewing mill buildings. I wonder if a guard with a semi-automatic has us in his sights. As we pass the entry rocks on our way out, the victorious sea lion is gone. With the battle won, he has slipped into the water for a well-deserved morning swim with his family of admirers.